SEO in 2024, the book, a special preview. What should you know about SEO in 2024 and what's included in SEO in 2024, the book? I'm your host, David Bain, and that's what we're going to be covering today on the Majestic SEO panel. And without any further ado, let's just go straight to the panel and get them to introduce themselves. So a little bit about where they're from, what their full name is, what they do. So let's start with Miriam. Hello, my name is Miriam Gessier. We never spoke about the full name thing. You shan't have my middle name. I am currently based in Portugal and I'm an SEO consultant and trainer. And I think that sums it up. <laughs> Wonderful. So how are you on Miriam? Also with us today is Petra. Hi everyone, I'm Petra Kishertek and I'm mostly based in the UK as a solutions consultant, but this year traveling. So um, I can be found all around the globe this year. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned, I'm a solutions consultant and work with um, different SaaS and e-commerce businesses and very, very excited to be here today. Wonderful to have you here. And it would be only, it'd be even more wonderful if I could actually pronounce everyone's name locally in their, in their, in their own dialect, Miriam and uh, is it Petra. Uh, what's, the, what's the real great way to pronounce Petra? I didn't get it quite right, did I? It's Petra. So it kind of ends oh, with Petra. an O instead of an A. But I think within the sort of English alphabet, it's a, it, those sounds don't necessarily exist. Um, but fun fact, my last name, Kishherzeg, with Miriam would know, which Miriam would know, means little prince. So that's the actual Hungarian meaning of the word. I don't know if that helps with the pronunciation, but just a fun fact. <laughs> It certainly helps with uh, maybe understanding your personality, where you come from. And um, I love that. Uh, it's great. I'm glad I didn't have to attempt to pronounce your surname, but uh, we'll give that one a go maybe later on or on some other, some other episode in the future. But uh, also joining us today is Marco. Hi, guys. I'm Marco Giordano. I, uh, I live in Zurich. I'm an SEO consultant and data analyst. And they work for as an in-house as well. But my specialty is mostly B2C content websites. And of course, I really enjoy being here. Superb. We've got a few people enjoying being here in the chat as well. We've got uh, Brenda. Um, Miriam, Miriam is obviously on the panel, interacting in the chat as well. Uh, juggling away there, but I'm sure you can handle that, Miriam. Um, Xavier, um, thank you so much for joining us as well. So great to see many people in the chat. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the recording, you're probably listening to an audio form. You could be watching it on YouTube afterwards, but if you can join us for the next live one, we'll be doing a live stream at the beginning of January, all about setting your SEO strategy for 2024. So that should be a great one. Sign up at majestic.com slash webinars for that. And we'll hopefully see you in the live audience for that one. But also on the panel today is Sarah. Hello, everyone. My name feels and sounds very boring in comparison, Sarah McDowell. But there you go. Uh, I do think Sarah, the Hebrew meaning is princess. So that like gives a little bit more of an edge, I suppose. But yeah, I'm Sarah McDowell. Uh, I'm, I'm here in the UK. I work in SEO. I work for Captivate, a podcast hosting platform. I'm a speaker, coach, and podcaster. 
I think, yeah, I've got four podcasts under my belt now with my most recent one being the SEO Mindset podcast. So yeah, very much caught the podcasting bug, but that's me. I'm very excited to join the panelists and everyone else here on YouTube too. Great to have you here. And I certainly did not expect to have a prince and a princess as part of this, <laughs> this panel. Absolutely cracking stuff. What, what? What could make it better? Um, it'll be a great discussion. And of course, what we're talking about today is the fact that SEO in 2024 and um, the book, we've got the official launch live stream next Tuesday, which will be Tuesday the 12th of December. That's it's 1 p.m. GMT. It's going to be a four hour live stream. We're going to have 60 SEOs from the book joining us for that. But this is a special preview shows. We've got um, another four um, of the wonderful contributors of the book uh, joining us for this one, just to share a little bit about the tip that they contributed to the book uh, and also to give their thoughts on maybe what other people contributed as well uh, as part of the, uh, the the book. So thanks so much for everyone joining us. Um, Lawrence O'Toole. Hi, everyone. Hi, Lawrence. And hi, everyone else who happens to be watching but doesn't want to interact that much in the chat. Um, let's start by, first of all, mentioning the fact that um, SEO in 2024, the book is now live. It's now live on your favorite Amazon store, hopefully. It's certainly live on the UK and um, across the EU and in, in America. If you search for SEO in 2024, you should be able to find it there as well. If you're watching on video, that's what the, the book looks like. And we've got a lot of content in there. Would you believe it? we've actually got 600 pages of content? Um, it's about 200,000 words. So it's a phenomenal, what's the word I'm thinking of in terms of a large volume uh, of information. And um, it's it's not transcripts. It's, it's highly edited tips and great to read, you know, little chunks of tips in terms of what you should be doing in 2024. So much changes in SEO over the years. So it's great having a resource like this. And hopefully um, you agree that that's the case. I'll give you a quick flavor of the different chapters that we've got as part of the book. Now, hopefully you can see this and this is big enough there as well. So we've got 18 different chapters there, all about starting with the importance of retaining the ability for you to be human, you know, to retain that touch that you've got that can still perhaps outperform AI. Of course, we're covering AI in lots of areas. We're covering each customer journey content. You can see all the uh, the content of the book that we've got covering there. So that gives you a, a bit of a flavor of what shares. But let's move on to just asking our panelists what they contributed and why. So Miriam, should, should we Start with you. What was the tip that you shared for the book? Off we go. So it's a bit complicated when you get asked, okay, what's the tip for next year? And what I wanted to focus on is everyone was freaking out about AI. It's going to change everything. Let me produce a lot of content. And here I was wondering, okay, so the barrier to entry has been lowered by a lot and we can produce this huge amount of content without necessarily thinking about the value we're producing. And I asked myself, what is Google going to do faced with this deluge of everyone wants to do SEO now? What do you do to stand out? And the concrete advice that I have for 2024 is 
future-proof your content strategy by focusing on the middle and the bottom of the funnel. So this is important because you have to understand how an LLM works. As soon as you start scratching the surface and you ask for more specific things, the machine will still produce superficial content very often because it doesn't know if it hasn't been trained in stuff that you know as an expert, it can't compete. So that's the best part for me. So this is why I recommended that people should focus on concrete advice, not necessarily superficial. What is Rome, the city, or what is a family vacation? You need to consider modifiers. So if we're talking about what to do in Rome, which is a very top of the funnel query, you need to go lower because this is where the real value lays for you as a brand, for you as an author. And one of the query modifiers you could have is what to do in Rome with two teenagers, not one, two. Yes, that's much more difficult because you know you're going to have problems. All of a sudden, you're talking about real-life experiences. You're giving real-life advice that an LLM would have a much harder time giving. How do you know what modifier is right for your brand? Because two teens could be great content for a particular viewer, a particular um, internet browser that's seeking that kind of information. But obviously, it's hard to determine the search volume for that kind of query. So that ties in, and I'm... I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going to be quoting someone else, actually. One of my neighbors in the book, Ian Helms, was discussing the fact that you actually know people before knowing keywords. You need to figure out if you're selling nails, what are you truly selling? You're selling a solution for what people want to accomplish. So at the end of the day, going to Rome with two teenagers, it's not about making it to Rome with the two teenagers intact. It's about building memories, having fun, seeing the city in a way that is memorable and makes sense for you as a family, if it is a family setup. So what I would recommend is going for the jobs to be done framework. What jobs are people hiring you, your brand, your services, that article for? What are they trying to accomplish? And that's how you know if it makes sense for you or not. Going after shiny keywords or being happy that you're number one on something that is not going to drive in any revenue or any engagement, if that's your business model, is not going to be viable. So SEO tools are great. SEOs are great. But understanding the jobs that have to be done by your potential customers is really where you know, okay, this is genuine content that matters. And if I go off on a tangent, as a trainer, I know this better than everyone else because most of the topics that get me traffic are questions that my students ask. So yes, of course, there's search volume if I look for it hard enough. But if I answer their genuine questions instead of trying to be academic and building an SEO-focused outline, this gets me a lot more brownie points from Google than focusing on the way we used to do um, content production for SEO. Hi to Dre Devera and hi to Brenda Malone. Good to see you in the chat as well. Good friends of Majestic. Thanks for being here. Miriam, I just want to follow up on one more thing for you just before we go over to Petra. And you said that um, you prefer to focus on bottom of the funnel and middle of the funnel nowadays. Are you saying that SEO isn't the ideal platform nowadays for top of funnel? Phrases. 
Yes, it is, but not for SEOs. Let me explain. Um, I'm sure I'm going to say it depends at least five times in this. Of course, it's a time-worn tradition, but ultimately, top of the funnel can be handled by the search generative experience, right? You can just quickly ask your question, model through, figure stuff out. As an SEO expert, do I want to show up in this when there's a lot of competition? It requires a lot of work. I don't necessarily control the experience. I know that this is top of the funnel is going to be one of the biggest um, quote unquote victims when it comes to um, AI content, right? So this is why I'm saying that we should mainly focus on middle and bottom of the funnel. However, your question is amazing because I keep hammering this in. If SEO agencies actually want to have a shot when it comes to the future, if they want to future-proof their services, they should be more integrated. Nowadays, are people going to hear about a brand on TikTok, for example, because it's going viral, and then are they going to look for it on Google to know where to buy it? So you have to really consider what is the entire customer journey and when is it worth your time and investment to carry out SEO efforts for specifically like search engines, not maybe social media that also has search features. So we really need to consider this. But from a purely pragmatic standpoint, if you want return on investment when it comes to your content and your visibility, I would say go for middle and bottom of the funnel. Petra, what was your tip? Hi, so I think um, I love that, Miriam, and I, I just had so many thoughts on that that I'm nearly like, oh, now I need to talk about my tip. Obviously, I can completely tie into that because I think a lot of things that you are saying is, again, looking at numbers as that they represent humans, right? Like, so my, my tip is within the section of be human. And my tip was that emotional intelligence should become your superpower in 2024, um, in general, I, you know, throughout my career, I thought emotional intelligence is very important. But why in 2024 is it becoming even more important? I think it's something that Miriam already mentioned before. And I think uh, the people on the panel will mention this going forward as well, that there's been a lot of change this year. And this change has been scary. You know, AI is definitely transforming what we've known about SEO. And to deal with that change, emotional intelligence is very crucial to understand th things through emotion and to understand that we are humans and everything that we do, even it's, you know, even if, you know, those are sort of logical conclusions and, and, and we are, we are looking at numbers, there is still an element to it that how we are thinking is driven through emotion. And I think that's why that skill is so important. Um, and one thing I really wanted to add to Miriam's point is that because um, you asked this top, mid, mid and bottom of the funnel. I mean, we, it, it's important to remember that these are just representative categories that we've created. It's not, it's not a real thing, right? Like if I'm a customer, I'm not actually going through a real funnel when I'm shopping. We've created this so we can interpret data and we can explain, you know, uh, behaviors. But behind those things, there are, there are people with stories. Behind those numbers, behind that funnel, there are people with stories. And the reason I think why I really agree with Miriam on the mid and bottom of the funnel is because that's what we are being measured on. And the way how you are actually looking at it as a business, you need to focus on the things that drive value. And mid and bottom of the funnel is the one that drives value because that's what's representing the numbers where you can really, by that point, you would really understand what a person wants. That's how I'm seeing it sort of from a, a human angle. 
if that makes sense. How does an SEO improve their emotional intelligence? So that's a that's a really good question. And unfortunately, I cannot give like a, a nice sort of <laughs> five tip that like this is what you do and then your emotional intelligence is done. It's the same as SEO. It's never done. It's it's you know, it's it's actually not like it's something that we all have, right? Like we all have emotions. It's just how aware of those emotions are you? How much do you reflect on, on them? So it's something you continuously go back to. And I do give a few tips within within the book as well in terms of techniques that we can do for, for self-reflection, for um, understanding our state. So things like um, we know that because we are humans, we've got biological needs. We get sleepy. We get tired. When we are tired, we make worse decisions. So being aware and realizing when those sort of human elements interact with our decision-making is very, very important. And I think especially within SEO, we tend to forget that because we focus so much on the fact that we are working with algorithms and computers that we just think that when we get data and that proves something that we wouldn't be emotional about it. But that's not a true thing. Like, unfortunately, or well, fortunately, that's our nature, right? So we just need to be more aware of that, realize that, reflect on that. And that's going to be a continuous process, really. Brilliant. Okay, Brenda, agreeing with Petra in the chat, they're saying people with stories and unique histories will win over an AI-generated, generalized experience. Let's move on to Marco now. Marco, what was your tip that you shared? Okay, so my tip is actually quite different because it's, it comes from the analytics chapter, and it's about using data to prevent future damage. So essentially, it's actually very simple once you think about it. Many companies, be them e-commerce, SaaS, or whatever, usually claim to be data-driven, but in practice, they are not really focusing their decision-making in terms of you know, operational activities. It's not even about strategy. My advice is mostly operational or tactical, you can say. And for example, if you are a publisher, you want to find a way to track or to understand which of your pages are showing signs of decay and have adequate processes to tackle these problems before they snowball. So it's essentially finding the data you need, a way to automate this workflow, which is not even new. But what's important is also tying these insights, if you have insights, of course, to business uh, SEO and processes. So if something happens, you have a counteraction to take based on data instead of guessing or overanalyzing. Marco, you talk about data and automation. We've got three chapters in the book that cover AI, introducing AI, AI technology, AI, AI in action as well. So we've got probably about 80 pages of the, the 600 pages. So <laughs> a, a, a re recent coverage in AI. Can AI be used to enhance the type of automation that you're talking about? Well, actually, I will tell you, in most cases, it's not needed because it's descriptive stuff. It's mostly basic. It's gather data somewhere, process them. You don't really need AI. So in my personal experience as an SEO, I use AI every day to code, to improve my code, or to review some specific parts where I'm not sure or if I want to be faster. But you know, for the entire process, you don't really need AI per se. But if you're using some cloud tools, now, most of them are integrating AI assistants 
for end users. For example, if you're an SEO and you want to get some data without asking the data team, you have this sort of copilot that can give you the code to execute, but you still need to be careful and it's not part you know, it's not really part of the process. It's more like an assistant, a supporting aid. Terrible accusation by Lawrence O'Toole. Hopefully none of the contributions to the book were written by AI. Absolutely not. But I can tell you that those four faces on here today are completely AI robots. So uh, <laughs> no, um, no um, AI contributions at all. Hopefully we're not going to get to that stage at all because um, obviously... AI is looking at the content that already exists out there. We're looking for new ideas, new suggestions. I know it's just a joke, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks so much, Marco. Um, so we'll come back to everyone uh, just looking at uh, not only their tips, but looking at other tips in the book. And we'll get everyone's opinion in terms of what other tips um, most resonated uh, with them, apart from their own tip, of course. But let's move on to Sarah just now. Uh, Sarah, what was the tip that you shared? I am second guessing now. Am I AI? Am I human? I don't know. I mean, AI is very well, did, good. Did nowadays. you take the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I'm very much enjoying being part of this panel and just hearing from Miriam Petra, Marco. Like, this is such a great book because it delves into lots of different areas. So it's it's a fantastic resource. Uh, but yeah, my point. So for those who listen to the SEO Mindset podcast. Um, it'll be no surprise that my tip was around um, embracing change, embracing challenges that come our way, because it's been the last, well, a few months or maybe a bit more. Uh, it's been very turbulent, hasn't it, with all the changes and everything that's go that Google is throwing our way, things with AI um, and the fact that when you look at the book and when I saw the chapters, there was quite a lot of um, people talking about AI. There's a lot going on and it can feel overwhelming and you just want to run and bury your head in the sand and just wait for, for it all to blow over. So my chapter was all about how we can embrace change and embrace challenges and and a reminder that we're all human as well and it's okay to have these feelings so going back to Petra's um chapter about um emotional intelligence and stuff that links to being self-aware um but it's it's while it's okay to feel overwhelmed and feel like with all these changes happening, it, it can throw us off kilter a little bit and that's okay. But it's about, okay, more changes are going to happen. Things are going to happen to the algorithms. Google's going to test new things in SERPs all the time. So it's about, okay, how can we take stock and how can we embrace change rather than wanting to run away from it? How do we embrace and take on challenges without wanting to cry? Don't get me wrong. I think we've all wanted to have a little cry and that's fine. But yeah, that was what my challenge, that, not my challenge, that was what my chapter was about. Superb. Okay. Miriam was saying that um, you could absolutely be a pre-recorded, a pre-created AI <laughs> video apparently. But um, look, it's, it's the nice thing about you jumping on live here. There are certain things that AI can't do, at least at the moment. And I think as content creators, we have to be creating content that demonstrates our personality, that shows, adds something different to what AI could actually produce. And we're, if we're just relying on bulk standard 400, 500 words, pieces of text that 
could be generated by AI, then there's going to be so much competition out there. It's going to be really, really hard to make a difference and build yourself out as a, a, a as a brand. I just noticed that actually in the chat as well. Jack Chambers Ward was saying, um, fantastic lineup for this live stream, but second part, my copy of the book arrived today. Can't wait for the live streams next week. Jack, I think you might be the first person to get the book. Tell me, what's it like? <laughs> I'm jealous. I haven't received a copy myself. That's not fair. Uh, so hopefully all of the contributors will be getting a copy very soon indeed. Um, so great thoughts on the individual tips that you've shared. But now let's just move on to your thoughts about other tips um, that are out there. Um, Miriam, you mentioned briefly that Ian uh, offered a tip that you were interested in as well. Yes, but before I go on about Ian's tip, um, I have a very cookie, wonderful idea. I think that we should have that new majestic um, book smell perfume come out for the home. <laughs> I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. SEO perfume. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes, like around the house. <laughs> Fantastic. And What would it smell I, of? <laughs> oh, See, don't ask the AI to figure this out. We need to figure this out on our own. But I, I, I do see that a lot of people are a bit overwhelmed with AI, and I absolutely agree. But I would like to say something that many people are not seeing, well, at least from my perspective. So I am old. That doesn't mean I'm wise. That means I remember the beginning of some of the internet, the commercial internet, what a 56k modem um, sounded like. And I remember how weird and wonderful the web used to be. Like how many weird blogs there were and how much fun I used to have before influencers became a thing, before blogs became huge deals and then progressively kind of disappeared from Google SERPs. And I think that we're maybe having a shot at returning to this original web this vibe of kooky weird wonderful stumble upon things that truly matter to you mm. so i'm also weary about ai of course there's a lot of safeguards that need to be put into place but i'm hoping that this is also the beginning of a new era where the internet evolves and is forced to become better it feels like it's moving into a new era but it's also very difficult to predict what that new era is going to look like. Mm -hmm. I know. And I, it really feels like there's different forces pushing for this. And I believe that brands should also take this into account. Monetization matters, but branding becomes very important if you want to be memorable. Because now we've done it all. Like we, we have gone as far as we can in terms of SEO the way it used to be. So let's look forward to this. And this is what ties into um, Ian's tip. He was going on and explaining that if you sell nails, what do you genuinely sell at the end of the day? You don't necessarily sell nails. You sell a way for people to reach a transformation and be a better version of themselves, whatever that may mean. And this is very important because it means that we can't do the whole screaming into the void as we used to do, which is optimize a piece of content with all the right keywords, and then hopefully you'll attract the right people. You really do need to think about beyond. I know we always think about the people because that's how we find the keywords, right? And that's how we find the intent. But 
really do look into who you are talking to or who you want to be talking to. So one of my favorite examples that will haunt me until the day I stop doing SEO is that I had a brief with a client who told me that sleep apnea, it's mostly men, 35 until 85. And these are the people that we want to help at that clinic. No, the reality is that it was their partners. It was the wives and the girlfriends that called in going, I hear my partner sounding like he's about to die every night. And that's what you need to focus on. Figure out who you truly are talking to, not that ideal persona, but truly the humans that could actually be interested and figure out why they could be interested. So as Petra said, it's emotions, right? So as a wife, girlfriend, partner, whatever, you don't want the person you love to die and they sound like they're dying. So you're going to do something about it versus the person who's asleep is tired. Their health is not going well, but they're not going to admit that something is happening while they're asleep. So this is the important part. And I'm not going to give away everything that Ian explains in the book, obviously, but please go and check out his tip. It's lovely. It's useful. And it's actionable. I guess, um, Miriam, you do a lot of training and um, traditionally people understand that SEO was about keywords, about identifying organic search opportunities and driving traffic from there. Uh, targeting emotions, targeting real stories is a bit less tangible. And it's, I guess it's a bit more challenging to identify the size of the opportunity and how much traffic you could perhaps generate from that. How, how do you attempt to share that that detail with the audience that you're training? So this is what I find really interesting. I was talking to another SEO expert um, today about SEO forecasting and how we do, how we project what we may be able to garner, what's going on, how do we get the buy-in? And um, Chris Green was saying, hey, these aren't necessarily... Um, this is not necessarily forecasting, but it's establishing different scenarios. And I love that analogy because this is one way where you can get people to actually care when you tell them, hey, the job to be done, for example, is I want to find a casino that has a promotion for my birthday. That That is a real tangible thing in Canada, by the way. So if if these people are looking for this, you have to understand that there's a query modifier. There's the casino that's like, reachable near my house, but also it's for my birthday. I want that promotion. If you don't have a page that addresses this because the information is buried in a little pop-up in Google Maps, it's not going to happen. You're not even competing. You're not even showing up. You don't register. So for me, when I train people, I try to find concrete examples that kind of punch them in the gut that they will also remember. I play on their emotions because I know that this is what they will remember for them to actually consider this. Now, when it comes to metrics today, that's, I mean, we have a professional here with Marco, that's, he can, he can catch that ball when it lands in his court, but I'm, I'm waiting to see what the new metrics are going to be too, huh? I think that with all these evolutions, the metrics themselves have to evolve for us to be able to actually communicate this properly. So just before we go to Petra, um, to ask her, thoughts on what other tip in the book resonated with her. Marco, what are your thoughts on the future metrics that are important? They've always been passed to you by Miriam. Well, actually, 
it's kind of tough to say now, but if probably I can tell you which ones could probably be outdated. So first of all, I think that metrics, for example, like query keywords will stay because at the end you need some user input. So some these will probably stay there because it's an input from the user. But to measure SEO success or even to quantify the visibility you're getting, I think that Google has to come up with some alternative solution. I have an example. Let's say that SGE becomes completely mainstream, goes live, it's official, and it works well. Let's assume that. How would you be able to compare if you appear there compared to a normal search result, even in terms of metrics? You would probably need something new, for example, other numbers that can tell you, look, this is your position, but this is not actually your search position. This is different. Or how can I say some third-party tools have visibility or share of voice that are custom metrics, of course, not used by Google. But I think that those ideas, the ideas behind them that you can capture like market share, search share, okay, would be more appropriate in some cases, thinking like what is your current share, your visibility, how much attention you're getting. But this is only valid mostly for informational content or other topics, because if I want to convert, I don't really care about the visibility or the quantity. I care about the quality or other details. But for conversion, I'm pretty sure that conversion rates and other metrics uh, or click-through rate even are quite good. I'm more concerned about informational content and how to measure it. Great. Thanks, Marco. Petra, what other tip in the book appealed to you? So I actually want to connect some of the tips that we've heard here as well, because I find them really interesting. And then I also wanted to quote um, Lazarina Stoy because she is in the book. And uh, But I wanted to use something from her that she talks about very, very often and something that Miriam and Marco both touched on, which is data, but the um, sort of getting the buy-in with data and the storytelling around data. Because I think that's been a topic um, more so in recent years and becoming more and more important for 2024 as well. And I think a lot of the themes in the book reflect on this, this human element as we talked about. So I've already mentioned Sarah talking about change, Rebecca talking about change and how important it is to deal with that as a human and finding our capabilities to deal with that as human. Um, sometimes I think what gets overwhelming is that we try to separate these things like data is separate, um, me dealing with change is a separate thing. Um, my adaptability and trying to learn coding or dealing with AI is a separate thing. They're all connected through what drives us and through our, throughout our curiosity and throughout our ability to, to cut through noise and to sort of divert our attention. So what Marco mentioned, for example, about, um, you know, like the getting overwhelmed by data, like why would that be happening? It happens because we find it challenging to focus our attention on the data that matters. And um, Miriam's story as well about you know, emotion and, and how do we find the data that's emotional is actually, in my view, is really simple if you're looking at it through the lens of emotional intelligence, because let's say a practical example, you're working on local SEO and it's kind of a an easy tendency to say like, okay, I'm going to look at the stats of like, you know, why local SEO is important. What is Google giving me the percentage of like, how many people look for local results, et cetera, et cetera. But that data is just 
sort of a nice looking number that doesn't necessarily talk to the people or to the business or to the brand. But if you're actually looking within your business, for example, and let's say you're looking at local SEO because you have retail stores and you reach out to those retail stores and you have a look at the vast amount of data your company might already have within retail stores, you might be able to collect data from them that you can analyze through emotion because you understand that those are people's stories that actually go into the store and the store managers can give you data that they've collected. So I think this sort of cutting through the noise, I'm kind of just trying to bring it together, how all of this is really our ability to understand this through that human lens, which, as I mentioned, Rebecca and Sarah both talks about as well. Absolutely. And um, yeah, thanks for mentioning Lazarina as well. Her um, tip was start She's incorporating great. programmatic approaches and rule-based automation into your SEO. And yeah, as you say, her her thinking's incredible. She uh, loves big picture thinking and um, uh, getting into the nitty gritty of actually dealing with um, millions of disparate sources of information and making sense of it all. Great. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to Marco again. So Marco, obviously you shared um, your thoughts and um, the ball that was passed to you by Miriam, but in terms of other tips in the book, what appealed to you? I found like four. I will go through them quickly. So sure. for example, Jack Chambers' word said about informational content for e-commerce. That is very important. And as a user, this is something that really pisses me off when I have to buy something and they don't have content because I don't know what they're selling. So I completely agree with this advice as a customer, as a user, not as an SEO in general. Because I really want to read something, it's important to distinguish yourself also as a source of competitive advantage, but also for trust for the search engines and, of course, the users. Then, uh, Natalie Arnie, if I, I think the pronunciation is correct, yes, yeah. uh, about managing content, reducing content, optimizing content, and thinking about, we can say, decay management, which is one of my favorite topics, and I really liked how she covered the, covered it in her tip. Mark Williams Cook, when he talked about using AI, but in a smart way, not in a lazy way. So, for example, using PAA data, validating the intent, for example, of your content, because I think that AI for these topics is quite good compared to other tasks. So I think this is... Great advice. It's a smart workflow. And I was also going to mention Lazarina, but for the tip in a book, which is about rule-based automation and programmatic approaches, mostly for rule-based automation, because to be honest, um, that's what I usually do. And I think that most of the things that a business needs are rule-based or should be automated instead of being left to people. For example, fixing 1,000 titles is dehumanizing, but if you find a way to, if you have empathy with your staff, if you find a way to automate it, it would be really helpful for anyone in the company. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks so much for that. Um, great tips. And, and that's the wonderful thing about books like this. You don't have to um, read it cover to cover. In fact, if you go to the back of the book, there's an index of all, all the different tips there. So you can see which ones resonate with you based upon the tip title and, and hone in on that one and go back to that and maybe um, use it as a bit of an encyclopedia because it's a long book to read. But perhaps you can go back to it as the months go on during the year and hone in on what's relevant to you in that moment in time. Sarah, um, what tip from someone else resonated with you? So I was drawn to the the be human, the human side of the book. Obviously, 
loads of great tips in there. Um, but uh, the ones that Petra have has always already sort of highlighted, but also um, I enjoyed Jess Joyce's um, chapter about being human to sell to humans. Um, and she sort of touched on the fact that it can give you the competitive edge when it comes to eat or eat, as we meant to say now, because it's got so many E's now, hasn't it? Uh, so that was a good reminder. Um, but then I was also like looking at the other sections of the book and another chapter that really stood out to me uh, was Miracles, where she was talking about brand SEO and sort of, um, yeah, doing work so Google can understand your identity and understand you as a brand and as a company so that it can trust you and, um, yeah, under that because the more understanding Google has of you as an identity, as a brand, as what you're doing, um, the better it is going to be for your for your visibility, which we're all sort of like talking about. And she also touched on about owning your niche as well. So I think this feeds into um, sort of what was Miriam was talking about about top, middle, bottom of the funnel, um, where you sort of like you're not spreading yourself too thin and trying to go after like traffic going after all of the keywords topics but honing up in on what makes sense to you as a brand to what you what you sell what you're about your ethos all of that stuff um so yeah those were the this that it was hard to pick mm. uh, but if i was ha- if i had to choose if i forced my fate <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, those were the ones that like really resonated with me. Um, so yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. Well, the last question that I liked to ask everyone as part of the interviews, and this is available as a podcast series, a, a video series, as well as a book. So if you want to check out the content for free, you do that at majestic.com slash SEO hyphen in hyphen 2024 and we'll be publishing the the audio episodes the video episodes one a day five days a week for the next three or four months or so and so um it's already a really popular podcast on spotify i know we we got to number one on spotify for next year so if you're listening to it on spotify try and subscribe to it there so we can try and do that again hopefully but anyway the last question that i asked people was if an seo is struggling for time what should he stop doing now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024. Um, as we've only got a few minutes left of the live stream, I want to get everyone's thoughts on that one very briefly. Perhaps your opinion would have changed very slightly. Perhaps you won't remember what you said originally and come up with something else. But um, um, just have a little think about, yeah, if an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing now? Uh, because they can be doing so many things in 2024 and sometimes people aren't that efficient with their time. So uh, let's go around everyone, get the answer to that particular question, and then we can confirm who you've been watching, who you've been listening to, and where you can find our panelists. So let's start with Miriam. So first and foremost, stop stressing about the metrics that we normally focus on. As we discussed, they're in flux. So Look at the jobs to be done framework. Okay, are we doing everything that we need to do to cater to that? Are we planning to do something that kind of doesn't fit? It should go out. Have no shame about this. Get it out. First point. Second point, um, if you want to find me on the internet, I am available on LinkedIn, Miriam Gessier, or you can find me at pragm.co, P-R-A-G-M.co. And last but not least, David, there's a very important question you haven't asked. How are people using the book? 
because I have used last year's book actually to get me started on brainstorming. Whenever I'm stuck, I'm going to open the book and it will like dislodge something in my brain. So I absolutely love this book because it's a great way for me to help me get started with my job on top of getting smarter. I thought for one horrible moment you were going to say as a doorstop, but it's not. It's a, <laughs> it's a great practical book. No. Okay, very well. Then I will go back and say, if you have an SEO agency, put that in the lobby, put it in the bathroom, encourage other clients to learn about this. Absolutely. And if are you're you a contributor, here? give it away to all your friends and family and show how fantastic you are. <laughs> Marian, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Petra, what are your thoughts on what people shouldn't do? And of course, where can people find you? Sure. So I think um, if people are struggling with time, that means they are trying to do everything. And likely that means they are not, they can't do all of them really well. So they haven't prioritized it well. I mean, we all get into this situation when we are trying to do everything, but it's not the most efficient and it's not the best use of time, as you said. So as hard as it sounds, you really have to force yourself to take a step back because what struggling with time means is that you're brain doesn't have the space to actually think and prioritize. I can tell you to prioritize what you would need to lose, but you would likely need to take a break before to even be able to assess that. So start paying attention to your actual health, um, getting good sleep, which is, you know, seems like, oh, that's not an SEO advice, but in general, like focusing on things like breathwork, those can be very helpful because they just give your brain the space to think and prioritize and make sure that you're focusing on the things that you need to focus on. Great stuff. And where can people find you? They can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter under Chameleon Journal or through my website as well. Lovely. Thanks so much for joining us, Petra. And Marco, what are your closing thoughts and where can people find you? Okay, so my advice is kind of similar. It's always about prioritization, but it's mostly more rude. It's stop overanalyzing because I see that many companies or even SEOs overanalyze too much, overthink too much about basic facts. For example, core updates, the helpful content update. Some, sometimes life is life. You cannot affect a core update. It just happens. You can find to analyze, find some associations, but at the end of the day, don't overthink it and focus on execution and how you can actually create something in value instead of theorizing. And you can find me at seotistics.com. It's SEO plus statistics. I merged the words. And there you can find my Twitter, LinkedIn, my newsletter. I also have an ebook. It's on the website. So it's faster. Or you can just look for my name on Twitter and LinkedIn. Lovely. Thanks so much for joining us, Marco. And um, also, um, I thought that Brenda shared, Brenda Malone shared in the chat. I'm just scanning through the Kindle version of SEO in 2024. I already see so many recommendations that she's going to integrate into her SEO journey. Thanks to all who offered their thoughts. Brenda, hopefully we can get you on yourself on a future episode as well. Thanks so much for interacting with us. But last but not least... Sarah, so Sarah, what are your closing thoughts and where can people find you? My closing thoughts are people, 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 don't forget to celebrate your wins, okay? It's so easy to always go after the next win, go after the next target, the next project. It's so easy to compare ourselves to others when in actual fact, we've we've all won in, in the past somehow. So please don't forget to celebrate your wins. And yeah, like because that's going to help you with how you're feeling about yourself. So that's what I really urge everyone to do. Uh, get yourself a wind jar, 
an empty win jar every time you win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be big. It can be something really small. Get it written down on a post-it note, fold it up, put it in your jar, and then you'll be able to see that jar filling up with all the wonderful wins that you've had. So please urge you to do that. Celebrate yourself. Be kinder to yourself. Uh, where can you find me? So I am on Twitter. Uh, so my friend pointed out that it how I've put myself on Twitter looks like Sarah McDuck. So that's a fun way to remember. Uh, but Sarah MCD UK. I'm also on LinkedIn. To find me Sarah McDowell on there, or like I've referenced a few times, the SEO Mindset podcast. Go and check. Um, yeah, episodes are awesome on there. We cover loads of topics. Um, me and Tasmin. Yeah, it's a great resource. So go and check out the SEO Mindset podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. And um, I love that wind jar concept. I, I, I was actually thinking that it was some kind of sweetie jar that you'd actually take a sweetie out whenever you'd had a win, but it was the other way around. You put your, your win in there and then you can yeah. recognise how good you actually were or have been. Um, it could also be a win tin. If you want it to rhyme, you can have a win tin. Like whatever, whatever brings you happiness. Indeed. Mine is called the feel good file. It's a Google Doc. <laughs> I've been missing out here. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to the Majestic SEO panel. If you want to join us live next time, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. And of course, check out the whole series that we've been talking about at seoin2024.com. Thank you, and bye-bye for now.